Um, tremendous amount of video you guys process and deal with. Uh, and so, Emmanuel, your CTO. That's correct. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's kick things off and let's do it. Let's hear about what you're doing. Let's do it. Good afternoon, everyone. So, I'm here to talk to you a little bit about iFlix. And um, is there a clicker? I'll use a laptop. Um, iFlix is a company based out of Malaysia called Lumpur. Uh, we are focused on emerging markets, permanently focused on uh, Southeast Asia. That's where our roots are, and this is where our customer base is. And our goal is to reinvent television for the next billion people. So what does that mean? Well, I want to take a little step back into time. Not all of you will know that, but some of you will recognize that. There was a time where getting content, legitimate access to content was very difficult. And uh, piracy was the biggest means of getting content. And a shop like that is not something that is foreign to those of you who travel to, to our world and certainly to the world of emerging markets. And when we looked at that challenge, the challenge that content wasn't widely available, we thought there is something that we can do there. There is definitely a service that we can create. The second uh, dynamic that we looked at is the fact that this little device revolutionized access to content. The smartphone, and this one, in, in, in this case the iPhone, came with as much power as the big blue computer that beat Kasparov in 1997 at chess. So now you had a desire to access for content and a device, a device that, was, that had the processing power and the capabilities to deliver video. And that device just took off. This is a picture of 2005. It's, um, it's um, the Pope in, uh, in Italy in 2005. If you look at the same picture a few years after, there's a striking difference. If you go back to 2005 and look at what was happening, there may be one phone in the audience. 2013, and now it's all phones. Everybody has a digital screen. Everybody's carrying a device. And you look at 2015 in Manila, and it's hard to see people. The only thing you see now is devices, and it's phone devices, and they're network connected, and they have access to the internet. And the close-up you look, the more devices you see. So we figured out that when you pair those two things, a mobile device, and you pair the desire for legitimate access to content, there's a service to be built. And we built it out of emerging markets. We built it out of Malaysia, um, Kuala Lumpur. And we have great peers in this industry, Grab and Gojek, who are two um, ride-share services, one in Indonesia, the other one in Southeast Asia. Both of them have taken the same learning, which is the fact that the device and the connectivity are empowering new services. But who are we doing it for? One of the, the biggest lessons learned for us is that our audience is majority female. Um, it's a mobile audience. What you find interesting is that 80% of our consumption is made on the mobile device. So the big screen is not something we're trying to solve yet. We're trying to solve constant, consistent delivery on a mobile device. They're professionals. They're urbanized. Um, their income is what we call middle class, but it's a different picture of the middle class that maybe you're familiar with in the, in the Western world. They use prepaid phones. 95% of them are on prepaid phone. What's a prepaid phone? It's a phone where you have to top up multiple times a month, sometimes multiple times a week. And they're very data cost conscious. Um, and lastly, they love content. 
they have not had access to content in a legitimate way, and they certainly didn't have it access in a way that was localized. So iFlix will localize all our content in some 13 languages all across Southeast Asia. So now that you know who we're doing it for, there's some unique behaviors about who we're doing it for. The first one to mention is they watch it on mobile. The one device that we care about at iFlix, the one device is this one. We don't, we don't care so much about any of the other devices. We're not focused on the connected televisions yet, even though we have footprint with, uh, with a number of TV uh, providers. But this is a device, this is the television of, the, of, the, of, of today. And what's super interesting is it's an Android world for us. It's not an iOS world. The majority of our users are Android users. And the majority of our users are now using smartphones that are Chinese smartphones. So when you look at building a service, you've got to take into account a number of things. One of our challenges is the fact that not all Android is equal. One of our challenges is the fact that sometimes you've got um, equipment manufacturers that literally clone the device ID so that you know how, no longer have a concept of uniqueness in a device. You've got a concept of, is the same device coming up multiple times on your service? So remember one thing. Almost 90% of our consumption is on Android. 90% of the consumption is on mobile phone, 90% on Android, and it's, it's becoming increasingly a Chinese world in, in our hardware. And while people may have access to the internet, and I'll talk a little bit about that, they predominantly consume iFlix on mobile networks, which is one of our biggest challenges, because structurally, the, the, the availability of mobile networks is still um, a growing thing in, in our world. And even though some of them are consuming it over Wi-Fi, they don't have access to Wi-Fi at home, which means they're going to public places. In the Philippines, an example, malls are a big attraction because they have air conditioning and Wi-Fi. So our, our users will show up on malls, in malls on weekends to be able to download the content with our download features over the Wi-Fi. And when we look at their behaviors, interestingly enough, Weekends, that's not a surprise. Weekends are a big thing. We start picking on our service on a Friday. Friday is where we start seeing the, the growth of our viewers. But what's super interesting is that they tend to watch late. They tend to watch content uh, pretty late into the evening. And so you can see the, the way we have to plan our service is for those peaks which show up on weekend and at specific times of the day. So let's see what is iFlix, because now the only thing you know about iFlix is the fact that it shares um, Flix with one of its uh, 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 peer companies. Our service is a little bit different, so I will show you a video that will explain a bit more about what iFlix is about. Ah, we're not getting sound. No sound, we won't get sound. So I'll talk about it, you won't get sound. What you should have gotten from the video is that we're not Netflix. There's a big difference between what we do and what Netflix does. One of the main elements of the service is 
you, we have a subscription model inside iFlix. It's, it's the SVOD model, you're familiar with it, you pay, you subscribe for it. But the big difference is that we've, we've got a big free tier. And the reason being is, we've realized one thing, we've got to bring people into the, into the product, we need to get a funnel, and so we put most of our content on the free tier. Our best content is on the free tier. And we'll talk a little bit about what we do with, the, with Amazon. Our objective is to build the largest possible free tier of content. We monetize it through ads, so it's an AVOD tier, but the, pre the predominant goal in that free tier is to get customers into this experience of subscription. So why would we want to do that? First of all, we're in markets where pay TV has not penetrated. If you look at Indonesia, the biggest penetration of pay TV in the market, so pay TV is what you have um, in the UK as, as, as Sky, in the US as Comcast, as Canal in, in France, is under 10% of the market. So only 10% of the market, and it's shrinking, has experienced a concept of paying for a subscription on a monthly basis. If you launch a pure subscription service in the marketplace, in a, con in a, in a, in a context where people have, are not used to paying for television, then you're bound to fail. So introducing the free tier has been a big change in our approach. Live, and we'll talk about live because this is one area where we'll, we'll, drill, we'll drill down into what we do with Elemental. We've built an entire live offering. We've got over 70 live channels on iFlix. It's not all in one market. It depends on which market you're in. Uh, we do a lot of lo live events and sports, and I'll, I'll spend time on that. But also we built um, a news service. So we do real-time news clipping, and we do daily news roundup. We've got some of the largest news uh, partners uh, in the world, that uh, local and global, like CNN. And every day, we create um, news content inside iFlix for short-form consumption. We built a feed, you would say, much like a social feed, where we foster content discovery. It's all about you understanding that there's a certain amount of content inside iFlix that might be valuable to you. So we have a lot of trailers, but also we have a lot of short-form content. We create our own short-form content, and we license short-form content. And lastly, we've got a kid's experience. We realize that it's a family service. One of the things that we've learned from our user base is the fact that we've got a lot of uh, young adults that have families um, in, in our service, and therefore, we have a kid's experience. And so far, it has worked out pretty well for us. We see a big spike in our, in our usage. Um, we're 100% hosted on Amazon, so we see that, that, that big spike in our usage, and we see a big spike in our subscribers. And that's in a short amount of time. All of the levers that we've done is we've, we've focused on the mobile device exclusively. We're an Android-first shop, so whatever we do develop is Android. Our iOS app always lags a little bit our Android app. We're Android-first, and we're a highly rated Android app because we focus on that, on that core segment of ours, which is this, this mobile user segment. But also what we've realized is that growth came from something very specific, which is local content. We started investing on local content, and realized that local content has a disproportionate impact comparatively to Western content. Historically, we licensed Western content, subtitled it. So if you're one of our subscribers in Myanmar, it's probably the first time in your life that you would see Western content with Burmese subtitle. It never happened before because it wasn't cost-effective for any Western studio to take that content, localize it, even worse, dub it, and put it into, um, into a, a service um, locally. But what we've done is, through machine learning, through automated translation, through speech-to-text translation, and a whole bunch of um, human beings behind the scenes, we've made that available as a starting point. 
we started with Western content that we would subtitle, and we moved to local content. And why local content is important for us? Because local content has a much, more, a much bigger impact. We've launched uh, Magic Hour, which is a, uh, a TV series that is a spin-off of a, of a movie that was a huge hit in Indonesia, by far our largest ever release in Indonesia. It dwarfs everything else that we've done from any major studio in Indonesia. We just released a few months, a few weeks ago, KL Gangster and the World, that is a Malaysian piece of content. It's a six-part uh, TV episode um, about, about the mafia. And so you think about it, the godfather, but Malaysian style um, in, in Malaysia, by far has been the largest performing title in our service ever. Nothing has come, com has come close to this title for us anywhere in the world. So the epiphany of local content um, took us some time, but when we look at it, there's a cost efficiency and a rich efficiency. There is just no comparison. What it gets really difficult though when you make local content is, local content is not necessarily portable. You cannot take out Gangster and distribute it into Indonesia or to, or to the Philippines or to Ghana or to Nigeria where we are and expect the same results. It is highly localized. It's a storytelling that is very uh, much within that country. So it's not as portable as maybe Western content. And then we saw one of the things that we struggled with in on-demand services is to create an appointment to view. On-demand service by definition are what you want, when you want, where you want, on the device you want. That's been, that's been the modus of, of a, of a, of a um, subscription service on demand. But live has changed the dynamic for us. So we partnered very closely with Amazon uh, on the early days with uh, AWS Elemental to launch live. And we looked at some key um, marquee live events that we've had. We did um, a, a very large event with Cricket um, in Asia. We um, created a joint venture with the Football League in Malaysia. So that's soccer, the one that you play with the feet, not the football, with the, the real football. Um, we did that with the Malaysian League, so we have a 10-year license with the Malaysian Football League, where we're the exclusive digital distributor of football in Malaysia, and I'll talk more about that. We experimented with uh, Formula E, the electronic Formula uh, uh, Grand Prix in, uh, in the Middle East, and we were very lucky. I'm French, so we were very lucky to carry the Russian World Cup uh, in, uh, in Africa, across all of Africa that, uh, that we distributed. And the result was compelling since France won, so it was the best World Cup since uh, 1998. Um, but, but more seriously, we've just learned a lot from that, and we've learned a lot from live events. So let's drill down into what we do with Malaysia, uh, with football in Malaysia, with FM. And the first thing is, we have this license with them where we created a joint venture, we're deep into the production of sports. And we had never done that before. Frankly, we came from, we can distribute content easily. It's not that complicated anymore to take VOD content and distribute it over OTT, but it's a lot more complicated to take um, football, um, live events, and distribute it. It's even more complicated when most of those stadiums had never broadcasted a live event for years. Football in Malaysia was, was captured by the pay TV operators, and not all games were broadcasted. We made the point that every single game of the season would be broadcasted which means we discovered new um, uh, stadiums. We discovered connectivity. We, did, we looked for power sockets in those stadiums to be able to plug the stuff. And at the same time, we're hoping, hopeful that whatever we could send by binding uh, mobile cell cards 
for data, we could send it to our Elemental, AWS Elemental in the cloud that would be able to receive it and distribute it. So we did that. It was a, it was a, a big change because we did manage to convert that appointment to view. And, and truth to be told, on the first event, the first game, it broke our platform. We, we struggled with keeping up with the demand and the volume of viewers we had on that one first day. How do we do it? We've got a team, it's a production company that we partner with that is on field capturing the stream. So they're capturing the game. They've got a number of cameras, they're capturing that game. And in real time, through cellular communication, they're sending us that back into um, Elemental. So we ingest that 100% in, uh, in, in, in Singapore, in, um, in AWS Elemental with the Elemental Live product. We take that contribution feed straight into Elemental, real-time package it, and we distribute to Akamai. The reason we distribute to Akamai, CloudFront density in, in our market is not as, as, as rich as Akamai's density just yet. Um, so we take that in real time, we move it here, and then it gets into the device. The second thing we do is we take two streams. We take a second stream, real time, we, 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 we store it in S3, and we have a team who clips the goals, the actions, in near real time to be able to push that through uh, SNS to our fans. So if there's a game happening, and in a weekend there may be three, four, five games happening at the same time, we've got a team looking at it, editing goals as they happen, and using SNS for push notification in real time to get back people into our app, to convert them into, into uh, viewers into our app. So we'll send red cards. We'll, we'll try things like um, um, goals, but not telling you who scored or what, what team scored. We try a whole bunch of models to just foster engagement. Um, and this automation is something that we do uh, thanks to the fact that everything that we do comes straight into the cloud stored into S3 and edited by a team of editors over the weekend. We push it to social, we push it to our iFlix uh, social channels in, on Twitter, on Facebook, and inside our app. And we try to gather as much of a viewership as possible. And this model, we've done it everywhere now. Everywhere we're present, we have distributed live signals, live events, we've had um, a, a pop band concert, we've had Korean pop band, boy band concerts, We've got, um, uh, as I mentioned, Formula E. We've had um, uh, the entire season of Football Malaysia done that way. Um, everything that we've done, we've done it uh, pretty much everywhere. And we did the World Cup uh, in, uh, in Africa. So some stats about what, what happens behind the scenes. 61 games streamed. Actually, we failed one. One, we had an issue on the elemental side. It was only one where we had some configuration. Otherwise, we've had no problems. There are about 50 terabytes per game that are, that are generated, um, that we do. And we have about, on a, go, on a, on a, on a decent game, we get about 100,000 concurrent viewers at that one point in time for that game. Um, on that day one of the, of the season, we had a significantly bigger number of people that showed up um, that, that created some troubles for us. We ingest, so the contribution feed comes between 30 to 60 gig. By the time we transcode it, we, we push down about 22 gig out of it. We store all our content in S3. So there's 300, just this season is 367, 77 terabytes of content stored in S3, but our entire library is stored in S3. We have no other way to store our content at iFlix than in S3. So we've got 3.2 petabytes of video assets sitting in S3. Everything that we do is cloud only. Our first point of ingest for content is into S3. 
if we license a piece of content from a studio, where they deliver that to us on a USB drive, a tape, or a digital, uh, digital FTP um, uh, um, uh, transfer, immediately goes into S3. Everything that we do starts with the content in S3. We created 225 pieces of short form content. All of those were cut from S3. So we have our own video editor tool, our cloud video editor tool that cuts content from S3. We create trailers that way. We create uh, the goals. And we serve about 3, we serve 3.5 petabytes by Akamai. As I mentioned, we had almost 100% availability. We actually had one game where we had an incident uh, on, uh, on uh, AWS Elemental. It wasn't a whole game. We lost a few minutes of the game, but we counted as an incident. And when we look at what we want to do next with this, now that we've solved distributing at scale live content, there's a whole bunch of things that we need to focus on, on next. And those things are, uh, reality is, how do you make that far more re relevant and how do you make it resonate with the consumer itself? One of the things that we've learned from the World Cup and from football is the fact that sending goals is a great, is, is a great mechanism to trigger engagement. Sending what just had happened is, is a great mechanism. But it's heavily human um, uh, taxing because we've got human beings doing that. So one of, some of the things that we're looking at in the future is can we create content through artificial intelligence. Can I isolate the goal, clip that goal, push it to SNS, get reach to the consumers, and never have a human being look at it? Can I train a model that will identify a red card? Can I train a model that will identify the highlights of the game at the end of that game, so I don't have to build a highlight? A lot of what we do today, we build it ourselves through um, uh, production. So generating content through machines is something that we're increasingly looking at, and can we train models to recognize events, contents, actions, etc. The second thing that we're very focused on is clearly personalization. How do you make that very relevant? How do you take implicit signals? Because a lot of our consumers don't necessarily tell us what they like and what they won't like. They won't signal that. But there's a tons of implicit signals that we get from them in terms of their, their, their watching behaviors. One of the behavior that we're studying is, what do you watch after a football game? If you show up on iFlix at 8 p.m. on a Sunday night, to watch the game, at the end of 90 minutes, we don't want to lose you. There's a whole host of things that we can offer to you, either sports-related or not sports-related at a point in time. How do we create that connection with the content where when you've finished what you've done, you go straight into something new, something fresh? We're, um, we're pushing Elemental really, really hard to introduce some new features. Some of the new features that we're going to be able to do, um, and we'll, we'll be doing them in February in the new, uh, at the start of the new season is, we're going to start creating graphic overlays inside our games. So that when the game is finishing, immediately there'll be a certain amount of graphic overlays that will say, stay here for the first sneak peek of KL Gangster season two. Or stay here for a new episode of the following show. Our, our goal is to treat that more like a linear channel than a non-linear channel. And take the opportunity of graphic insertion, graphic overlay, for those of you who live in the world of broadcast, they're called secondary events, create the same level of interactivity in a digital stream. We've experimented a lot with Lambda. We've experimented a lot. We got some wrong, some right. Um, but pushing the serverless um, uh, infrastructure uh, um, principle has become very important for us. We've learned from the scaling challenges we've had. Um, we spent quite a bit of time with the, with the Lambda team to learn how to scale better, at least how to write Lambda uh, uh, invocation uh, better. And we're now in a point where the more we continue to evolve, 
the more we're moving to our serverless architecture. Even the way we distribute our content is serverless. The way you hit our, our API is highly distributed. I mentioned the content AI. And lastly, it was interesting to, um, to hear the presentation this morning from Andy about machine learning and what's coming. Part of what we're looking at is, what are the behaviors um, that, ha that, that, that we have in our, in our viewers that will convert them into a paid viewer? As I mentioned, a big portion of our content is free. All our football games were available for free. You don't monetize at that point in time. And for all of you who are doing digital ad sales, distribution of digital ads, the CPM is so low. There isn't a business model, at least for us, that is valuable at this stage. It's, it's not a reality. But what is a reality, though, is the fact that you can convert people to pay and understanding the propensity models to be able to pay, understanding what are the behaviors that will trigger somebody to become a subscriber um, is something that we're heavily focused on. How do we do that? Well, we've got four engineering centers at iFlix. We've got one in Cape Town that's very focused on payment. Africa is a very interesting region in terms of payment and monetization. If I told you that in the Philippines, only 3% of the population have a credit card, my next, my, my, my next statement would be, how do you think they're going to pay for iFlix? Most of you who live in a world of subscription are very used to taking a little plastic card, typing it, or if you've got it saved on your wallet, and you never type it again, but you've got a payment instrument. I mentioned that 85% of the consumers are on prepaid phones, but if they don't have credit cards, how do they pay? You've got a tremendous cash economy that you're dealing with. You've got thousands, hundreds of thousands of point of sale where you can buy iFlix vouchers for cash and you reload that voucher in your iFlix app. The phone uh, providers work the same way. You buy a code that you load on your phone and you get yourself credit. So we've got a team that's completely obsessed and completely focused on payments because the world of payment is very, very different than the world of payment that maybe you're used to. We've got a team in Kuala Lumpur. That's, we're, based on, we're based in Kuala Lumpur. Um, it's, our, it's, our home, it's our home country. It's focused on recommendation, personalization, et cetera. We develop our own algorithms for that. We think that that's very differentiating. We've got a team in, uh, in Australia, Melbourne, who's very focused on the client side. As I mentioned, we're, a, we're an Android first and a pretty much a mobile only, or predominantly mobile uh, shop, but Android first, and we build that in Melbourne. We've got a team in Prague that deals with the telco integrations. A lot of the distribution we do is through telecommunication partners. You see that in other parts of the world but we recognize that you're in a certain telco and you get certain price plans that are offered to you at iFlix. And we're building a team in China because we've learned a tremendous amount from Chinese services. The success of Chinese services like Tencent Video, iQiyi and others, the fact that we want to bring more stickiness into the service and gamification, the way it is done in, in, the, in, in China is quite different. My closing statement, we're hiring. So if you want to move to KL, to Prague, to Melbourne, to Cape Town, or to Beijing, let me know. Um, otherwise, I'll, uh, I'll entertain your questions. Thank you. Well, thank you, Emmanuel. Um, that was awesome. Uh, can we go to the slide of questions? Can you imagine a future where the actual storyline of what you're watching will be personalized? I think that's, that's more difficult than I would want to imagine right now. Um, the idea, it, it's a great idea, and I know some, some studios have experimented with that. It's so difficult to tell a good story 
that I'm, I'm not sure we're quite ready to get to that level where the store itself is personalized. But the hardest thing that we have to solve, at least for us initially, is when you join iFlix, what should be the first piece of content that you're exposed to? A lot of us have this, and it's a growing trend, have this dilemma when you launch a, a subscription service or a video service is what to watch. And I know, at least I have, stared at this little artwork of boxes thinking what to watch, what to watch. And if you ask anybody in the industry, they will tell you that the time spent on the homepage is sadly growing. It's increasing. That is a bad sign. That is not a good thing. We want the time on the homepage to be as short as possible. We want you to be on the homepage and convert to view right away. When you sit staring at that homepage, and I've done it countless times, and if you have a family, sometimes with my family, we try to do a family movie night. Good luck, I've got a 17-year-old boy and a 12-year-old boy and my wife. It's just, there's no point. We might as well all separate and go and watch our own things, which is you cannot get that cohesive, uh, collaborative approach to say, let's watch something. So you're gonna stare at the homepage a long time. So before we solve that, we want to solve what to watch first and get that right. And we get it wrong most of the time because we get it based on what others have done. We base it on cohorts. We base it on behaviors of others, not yours. We don't know you. And when you show up for the first time and you show up from Malaysia, we put you in the biggest cohort, which is people from Malaysia. Until you do something, we don't know much about you beyond the fact that you are from Malaysia. You came from a Malaysian IP address. How do I change that and guarantee that the first experience you'll have is something that will be strikingly good and you'll say, hell yeah, I want to watch that. That is, that is the first thing that I want to solve before storytelling. Um, here, let's go to this one. Um, what are the other types of media you were looking at uh, supporting? Maybe, I don't know, gaming or... What's next for you guys? So we tried a lot of things. We tried and failed at a ton of stuff. So we, um, we, did, uh, we, we carried eSports for some time, and we tried it. And it we weren't quite the right, the, the right platform for it. You have to admit, when you're not the platform that is for that audience, we're not the platform for that audience. Um, we, so we, we think that Twitch is a better platform for that audience, and we are. So let's, let's be realistic with that. We think uh, music is tremendously powerful. The first time we hosted Korean um, um, uh, pop stars, it was unreal, incredible. And it was incredible, not just in one market, it was incredible everywhere. Just the content resonated with the fans everywhere. I think the fans were, because they were boy bands, um, it was BTS, uh, which is a huge Korean boy band. If you never heard of BTS, just go on YouTube and see how many views they have, and you'll be humbled by, uh, by how many views they have. We hosted them, and we had just as many fans that were in Africa, that we had fans in, in, in Asia or in the markets that are closer to Korea. So we've realized that music is super important for us, concerts are super important, and they're a great appointment to watch. Clearly, football is great. Football is powerful. Um, football is a strong uh, content, and we want to we be more creative with football. So there's some things that I can talk about. We want to we bring a new twist on football. We want to bring trash-talking fans that do the commentary rather than the traditional commentary that you have on football. We want to have an edge on the game and make it a bit more fun. So that's the type of content that we're looking at, but more live for sure. Um, news has been a very powerful piece of content for us as well. Um, here, let's go on this one. Um, how does your integration with the Kamai work? Um, so hey, this, is, this is always an interesting question because we, we, we've got these sessions where um, the team that we work with at AWS is incredibly supportive. And 
there's limitations of what CloudFront can do for us. So we know that we had to go and reach out. There's not that many CDNs that will reach as many markets that we're in. We're in 23 markets. Some markets, really, you look at how many pops they have, and it's tiny. And when you look at a market, really, our distribution is not in Nigeria, it's in Lagos. Let's be very honest, because Nigeria is a big country, and when you learn about Nigeria, not everybody has access to electricity all day. So when you look at Nigeria, you really start looking at the big city, and you look at Lagos. So we worked very closely with Akamai. The one thing that we did, and, 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 and credit to Amazon for doing that is, we put them together in a room. We said, we need to solve that. We need to solve distribution. So we, we use CloudFront, and we use Akamai uh, equally. We've got a, a, a three-tier, basically, CDN strategy in our world. We've got our own equipment. We've got our own network. We call them CDAs, Content Delivery Appliances, that we put in the heart of the telecom operators. Um, we've got Akamai, that is closer to, to, the, to the consumer, and we've got CloudFront. CloudFront tends to be a bit more centralized. And we've got these, these rules um, when you press our video player, so when you press playback, that calculates what is the fastest pass and the most optimal pass for the consumer. We're not looking at saving money, we're looking at what is best for the consumer. Usually, if you're in a telco network, in one of our well-distributed markets, the first pass is our appliance. Our appliance sitting inside a telco network is the best because the telco, the, the telco connectivity is very rich when you're inside a network. What is very difficult, it congests when it go out of the network to the internet. The second pass usually will be Akamai. The third pass will be CloudFront. No matter what, we will serve you video. CloudFront will be the, 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 our fallback plan. So on a similar vein, you were talking about how you're in many different countries, which uh, kind of complicates uh, how to use different CDNs. Um, what countries are you looking at next, and how do you prioritize your expansion? Um, so we're not looking at a ton of new countries. We, um, we realize that being in 23 markets is, is pretty complicated. We've got priority markets that we're immensely focused on. Indonesia, the population of Indonesia is 265 million people. Just in the top three markets of Asia for us, between the Malaysia, Malaysia the Philippines, and Indonesia, you've got 400 million people. So we've, um, we've focused ourselves in, in, in those markets. Thailand, Malaysia, Philippines, um, and Indonesia are our key core markets, the ones that we're obsessed with. But also we're in Pakistan, think of the size of Pakistan. We're in Bangladesh. And Bangladesh has been an incredibly um, uh, fast-growing market for us, Nepal. For the time being, I think we don't want to overexpand. We've, we've, we feel at times that we're slightly overstretched. We are where we are, we're not going to go anywhere else, but we're super focused on the, the key markets that I mentioned. Okay. Um, last question. Earlier in the presentation, you went through your really unique audience and how uh, it's a little atypical for uh, many, many other people, I uh, might think. What are some of the more unique things you've discovered about them? And I guess, how did you find those out? And uh, how could someone in the audience kind of apply that to their, their market? Sure. So we, at the end of the day, we're a content service. We're, I, I, as we are a tech media company. Our goal is to deliver the best content to the right person at the right time. And content is all about storytelling. Storytelling is universal. One thing that we've realized, one of the lessons I've realized, is that Korean soap operas work worldwide. There's 50 episodes. Those are life lessons that happen. There's betrayal. There is, there's, there's, there's love. There is uh, success. There's failure. There is drug addiction. And there is redemption. And all of that in 50 hours for that one season. And then you have another 50 hours of the next season. Incredibly 
powerful storytelling works anywhere you are. It transcends religion, it transcends ethnicities, it transcends color of skin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It does. I didn't see, I didn't think it was that pervasive. The second thing that we've learned is consumers are extremely passionate, more passionate than we ever anticipated. So I'll, I'll tell you that, I told you and I was honest about the fact that on the first day of the football Malaysian season, on the first game, our platform miserably crashed in a number of ways. We didn't, we didn't kick everybody out, but we couldn't take anybody more, more in. We couldn't literally take people more in. And um, we thought, no big deal. It was the first time that football had been brought back digitally accessible to everyone in Malaysia. So we thought, no big deal. We're doing something great. We're learning from it. We're going to get better. You should see our Facebook page from that day. You should see how much anger there was. And it's not anger, it was really passion from the fans to realize that you matter to them. You matter because that game mattered to them and they wanted to see it and you've, you've failed to deliver that. So one thing that we've learned is, even though often um, you look at um, Southeast Asia saying that people are not very vocal, they tend to be a little bit more timid, just give them social media and then you've got tremendous power of, uh, of voice. Um, so we realize that our fans are incredibly passionate about content, they're passionate about the service working well, they're passionate about, about, the, uh, about the storytelling, uh, and that's, that's pretty unique. Awesome, well thank you, it was Emmanuel and iFlex, give him a hand. Thank you.